Hey, Marin. Hey, Nathan. It's good to see you. Always good to see you. In your in your storage closet as you're doing, <laughs> doing some remodel. Shh, don't tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Lifestyles of the rich and the uh, the humble. Yeah. yeah. Storage closets. That's what we're working with here today. But what are we talking about today? We're going to talk a little bit about elders. And um, archetypically, this sort of, um, from a female standpoint, you know, you go maiden mother to crone. And, you know, historically, people have been passing down stories. That's actually how we share our wisdom is storytelling. But nowadays, we finish training and we end up in a space where we feel like we have to have all the answers and we have to know it all. Um, And I think a lot of the stories are being lost. So as a mini anecdote, I just, uh, as we talked in one of our previous um, episodes, we talked about our breach training workshops that we both ho- both hosted um, last month, and uh, or gosh, it was early this month. It wasn't even that long ago. Um, David Hayes, who's I, I I admire the hell out of him. He's a an OBGYN who's been in practice for gosh, forty years maybe, and um, you know he's towards the end of his his career, but he's doing quite a bit of breach training. Mm, and yeah, I yeah. brought him coffee in the morning, and I said, I brought you coffee. I brought coffee for my my elder OB. And I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but he kind of laughed it off. Like, I think he kind of felt like ugh, a bit of a jab, like for being an old guy or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's not so much reflective of him as a, as it is reflective of in our society. Yeah. We, we push the older people who have all of these stories. Some of them have been through like major wars, you know, or, you know, right. whatever. We push them into nursing homes because like they're no longer helpful to us. They're no longer productive. But what happens to the stories that actually help guide us along the edge without falling off the edge, you know, not to prohibit us from making mistakes, um, but guiding us. The guidance piece, I think, is often lacking. And um, I feel like I need more elders in my life, personally. (laughs) I think we all do. And as we were talking kind of before this, I can see why maybe that might seem offensive in a, you know, like you're saying, kind of like in our culture. But to me, elder just means somebody that has wisdom and probably is older by age because that's generally how we get wisdom is over time. But it's such a rich, beautiful word. You know, I think there's definitely other less beautiful ways. Old people, the elderly doesn't even sound as nice. But yeah, elder right. as a term of affection and respect, I think is really beautiful. And I don't know David, but he definitely seems like he has all those qualities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you brought up Stu as well, Stu Fishbein, who's been a mentor of mine since I was in residency. And he's he was desperately looking for somebody to help carry his practice forward. And he couldn't find anybody that was going to do that. And you, you had mentioned that I mean, and, and I've had this experience with him. If you sit him down and just start picking his brain, he's got such rich stories yeah. about mistakes he's made, about sorrows, about joys, about successes. Yeah. And and where did those stories fit in? Um, I guess it used to be that we would write it down in books and people would read it and appreciate it. But now everybody, if you're 20, you're successful in launching <laughs> a book and getting it on Oprah's book list or something. So... Um, <laughs> It's also, it's made me actually a little bit apprehensive about putting my own stuff in on paper. Like everybody's like, you should write a book. And it's like, what would I write about? Like, I don't, I'm still a young guy. I'm in my late thirties, pushing 40 now. And 
I don't have anything to share yet that I think is worthwhile to share. But I guess a responsible elder also would just wouldn't say like, I've now uh, arrived at elderhood. Now I will write my book, my, you know, my, my autobiography. But, but I do think that there's something there in that, you know, when a person who's had so much experience starts telling stories, we all need to stop and listen because there's something in there for us. You know, a reason that we were brought to them and without ritual, you know, we talk about ritual a lot without ceremony. We don't really have a way of doing this in a in such a way that is productive, you know, we're so caught up in productivity, but, but wouldn't it be nice if there was a way for us to, to, to embrace and celebrate elderhood? Um, Yeah. Discarding it, you know? Right. Right. Sure. And it is in the stories and I think it's in the listening and hearing that over time would be so helpful. So I don't know if that makes sense, but whether someone writes it down and you have like this whole book to go start to finish, or maybe you're listening to an audio recording, or you have someone in person that you can hear these stories from. It's not just the one story, even though the one story is really cool. Like what I was struck with when Stu was here was hearing some of the stories while he was here and knowing, of course, other background and seeing the evolution and yeah. the transformation that I think, I mean, I'm guessing like when it's you as a person, even if you think, oh, I've had a really cool life, you don't really see it in the same way that someone listening might. So when I hear his stories, I'm just blown away. And even more so, believe it or not, than I am by any midwives like midwives are just we're midwives like this is what we've always been we came into this it's not very shocking or surprising (laughs) and I hear his stories yeah and I'm like oh my gosh do you realize do you realize just how special you are and how special your story is and this story of like transformation and becoming better and radicalness like that's what has to be captured for I don't know. I don't want to say like other doctors. I think it's anybody, any human. But if I was a young doctor and I heard all those stories somewhere, wow, I'd be like, that's possible. Yeah, it's almost kind. It's kind of like if you took like I don't know, The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or something, and you only got halfway through the first movie, you're only getting like a glimpse of like here's the stuff that Luke Skywalker did or whatever. But you watch it because you get to see the whole arc of the story, the hero's journey unfold. And oftentimes, I guess in Hollywood and whatnot, it's always the man that's on the hero's journey. But, but, you know, birth in and of itself is a journey. You know, there's a hero's journey. And after you've had 10 children at the very end of that, I mean, maybe you'll have more children and you'll attend more births. And then later down the road, somebody can actually look at it from 15,000 feet and say, whoa, there's some, some pain that that this person went through, Marin in your, in, you know, in this case, there's some really big successes and really big failures. And if you were to just look at any of those things in isolation, you might brush it off. But if you look at the whole arc of the story, that's why it's so compelling to right. tell those stories in these Hollywood movies. Um, and I do think that, that people like David Hayes and Stu Fishbein, I do think that they fit the bill for that because they haven't had it easy. It's not like you just live this rich doctor life and you're retired right, to teach right. breach. It's right, right. like, what does the path of a birth worker look like? And there aren't many people that value those stories, which is perhaps maybe the, why they're not being told. 
Yeah, but why? Why don't people value them? Like you said, are people just so quick to only be interested in their life? Are we all just living in insta life here, you know, where the past is not even part of the story because it's only today's post that matters? I mean, it's really it's really so sad when you think about it that maybe, you know, like everybody's entire story, like you too, you know, one day be like, Oh, great, great grandpa, Nathan. Like, did you know about him? You know, he, he was a doctor and, and it wasn't working for him anymore. And like, he went off and he did this incredible thing. And like doctors didn't do that back then. And that's like, you know, my daughter, Amelia, she loves stuff like this. She loves like ancestry and she loves stories. And that's something I've always admired about her, even as a little kid, like that she'll just sit down and talk with anyone and especially older people. She's really curious about their lives. So I guess just as I'm getting older, I'm definitely just like thinking about it more and what that all means. Yeah. I remember, I remember sitting down with my grandfather um, and he died at a hundred years old in mm. 2020 not from covid in case mm. anybody's curious but <laughs> he died alone with his with my grandmother who was 95 she had dementia she died two weeks after one of those classic stories yeah and uh i remember before he started really slipping down and losing his vision and hearing completely um you'd sit down and ask him about like i don't know like tell me about your first job <laughs> In that story, yes, like maybe for some stranger hearing your grandfather's story about the wars or whatever else wouldn't be so interesting. But then you think like, man, you were alive a hundred years ago. Wow. And if we're not willing to look at the past and look at, again, look at the whole arc of the story, you don't really ever get to see a person for who they are, right? Because you never step in the same stream twice. I say it over and over and over again. But every single day we wake up and we have to choose to love. We have to choose to live in a certain way. And for us as the individual, it's based on our past experience and where we want to go. We have no idea what tomorrow, what tomorrow brings. So in the micro, it doesn't seem relevant. But in the macro, man, to see this whole arc unfold, going through divorces, going through whatever. Like my, my wife and I, we've been together since we were 16. She was 15. I was 16. I had just mm -hmm. got my driver's permit. <laughs> and I was a total driving around town with my permit, you know, and my mom would have to be within the car with me when I picked my girlfriend up. And, That's and, cute. um, that part's not interesting. And then you hear, and then when we, I finished, we finished college, we went to Korea and taught after Korea, we, we separated and I went to med school. She stayed in Pittsburgh and did some incredible things. We both met incredible people. And that part of the story is maybe compelling, mm. but then you find out we actually got back together halfway through med school. The stars aligned in such a way. And now 10 years later, we've got two children. We've got this beautiful house. We've got all these amazing friends. And a lot of the old friends have kind of fallen out of touch with. Yeah. Even just that arc is way more compelling than any individual moment. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's something about the way that we value our interactions with people. Like on social media, you get to see a glimpse. And it's usually only the good things you see, right? And you get this like wanderlust looking at this social media post of somebody who had a baby you don't get to see the story of their birth. You don't get to see how hard it was for 18 hours of horribly painful contractions or perhaps ecstatic birth in a, in a tub. Or you just get to see this like little bundle of joy wrapped up with a little like um, 
letter board, like month one, month two or whatever, without seeing even like from a parenting standpoint, how hard it is for the first three to 16 years. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. And again, I think social media is definitely relevant that also when you're looking at that stuff and you don't know people and you don't know their story, it's just so easy to think, oh, their lives are better or easier. I mean, I don't know if you get that a lot. I feel like I do. And my life's awesome. So I'm not like trying to hide that. And I'm also not saying it's, you know, perfect in in all of those ways, but people just kind of making assumptions and and, you know, there there have been hard parts, like you've said, I think for both of us, like, and those are the growing parts. So I'm not afraid to share those. But yeah, it's kind of a willingness to see the dark with the light, even when you're observing someone from the outside. Everybody just wants like happy, happy, happy all the time. And that's not real. That's not where our depth comes from. Yeah. yeah and if you look at, it, at a moment in time in anybody's life, if you catch them in that time when they're like battling drug addiction or alcoholism or they were in a car accident and they're stuck in a, you know, a rehab facility for for like a physical therapy sort of regimen for six months. If you just end the story there, you, you miss out on, on the richness of the recovery. So that would be like in the hero's journey, like you've hit rock bottom. If it stops there, like, who wants to hear that story? Right, exactly. But what's what's even better is when you actually see them crawl out, you know, and they come back to their town and they're, everybody's rejoicing because they slayed the monster or whatever else. Um, and for people like David and Stu, and I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of people out there that fit this category, but we're, we're just talking about these two individuals who both happen to be men, who both happen to be OBGYNs, but... Um, But to take their entire life story, I mean, talk about like, that's almost like, that's almost like an education in in and of itself to really look at how did a person start in this and where did they end and where was the reconciliation? Um, Oftentimes we just miss out on that part. You know, we, we see that there's this successful company without realizing that they went bankrupt twice before they actually were able to make it, to make it. And, And that, that applies to midwifery practice, to my practice, you know. I think both of us are hoping that our practices evolve and emerge as something new because there's always something that we feel like could be a little bit better. Um, but to take things in isolation, these moments in time in isolation just doesn't serve us. So I don't know how we get out of that. I don't know. I don't know how we get, mm. how we, we can re-embrace elderhood as the full story, the composite of, of everything that happens from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough thing to reverse again in this culture where that's just not the way. And I don't know, other ways our culture is set up just with people retiring. And I think that themselves like not feeling super valuable, like they just work their whole lives and like, what was it for? And, you know, they don't necessarily have a passion. And now what's retirement? It's just like this seems like this weird state for a lot of people of just kind of not really knowing or not having anything to do. Um, So I don't know. I have no idea how to shift all that. But I know for me, I really would love to capture these stories, you know, of some of the people we've talked about and even non-birth related, like the mentor that I work with is certainly a very wise elder woman. And not only does she have stories, but she has tales of all kinds. And... um. 
I don't know, you know, what to call them, like old wives tales and myths and things that (laughs) she, yeah, like she was taught, like she taught me this thing last week. This has nothing to do with birth at all, but I think is a good example. Uh, She said, oh, what are you planting? We're talking about gardening and I'm not good at gardening yet at all. But I said, oh, we got a blueberry bush and, you know, the kids are really excited. And she said, you have to burn the land where you're going to plant the blueberry bush no idea. How would I know this? I bet that's not in any gardening book. And she said, no, that's the way it is. That's what's been passed down, that you burn the land. And once the land has been burned and the tree is planted, then it will fruit. And if you don't burn the land, yes, it will grow. The plant will grow, but there won't be any blueberries on it. So that kind of captured in just like one little story, what I've been thinking and where I want to like, you know, it's almost like this hunger to like, get this information, not in this greedy way, but like to preserve it. Like shouldn't, shouldn't generations after us know that if they're planting blueberry bushes, like this should be something that we hand down. So she's full of those kind of stories. And she's another one that I have on my list of like, wow, how to, how to capture just some of it for future wisdom, you know? Yeah. It it totally brought Stephanie's mom to mind. Stephanie's Mm. Mexican and her mom is I don't know if you've met her mom, but she's... Yeah, she's super sweet. Fully Mexican and Mm. moved here when she was like 16, but goes back multiple times per year. And um, when she talks about anything, it's a time to listen. Like there is something here to be gleaned and it may not be the right pace or even the always the the correct grammar necessarily because English is her second language. And she may, you know, she's going to speak a little bit more slowly, but when she says something, there's, there's a nugget there. Yeah. And um, even from like child raising and everything else, like Stephanie hasn't read a single book. You know, fortunately she has friends like you and, and of course I'm an OBGYN, but like I don't have much to offer unless th- things go south, you know? <laughs> so I remember when we, um, when, when we were pregnant with her first, everybody that I know was like, they sent me these books and I had like a stack of books. I still have them. Um, and she started reading and she was like, nah, I don't know. It's like starts with all the bad stuff. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. And her mom and in, in, in the meantime had like all this great wisdom to share, you know, and some of it sounds a little like woo woo, but we're That's way out amazing. of the woo closet. And yeah. Yeah. she wow. was like, oh, if you use this herb and you mix it with this, it'll actually make a really nice salve for the baby's diaper ration. And that's not something that she learned in a book. It's just nope. something that she picked up that was passed down from generation to generation as to how to fix hiccups, how to treat a cold, how to do whatever. And you could go to herbalism school and that's great. But if you just sit and talk to older people who've been who've been working the land and have been living life, I mean, just living life alone, you get all of this rich information. And um, I feel very fortunate to have people like that in my life. I mean, um, way more than audiobooks or podcasts or even any, you know, best-selling right. trade paperbacks. Like that's that's where the richness yeah. is. It's like, yeah. Scorch the land, and then we'll get some blueberries. The the book Braiding Sweetgrass comes to mind as well. Robin Wall Kimmerer. Mm, I love that book, yeah. Sort of like ancient wisdom just being passed down as to why the beans and the rice and the corn all grow in the same area, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that is such a great book. Great example. Yeah. Yeah, well, that explains, I think, why Stephanie is so wise. That's so cool that that's kind of in her blood and – you know, maybe it's our job to kind of bring it back because like you said, there's there's too many resources nowadays. I mean, how many podcasts could you listen to about <laughs> really gardening not. or parenting? And yeah, like 
where's the real stuff? That's what I want. Where's the real, the real wisdom? And I think it's definitely with, with these elders. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a a week of, uh, I did a week of anthroposophic medicine training in New York and there was this really old lady there who was farming. She got, had to be in her late seventies. She was just digging something up and I was playing like Rachmaninoff and I was walking around in the garden just because it was a beautiful place and it was drizzling and Mm. this lady's out there with her big rubber boots and has a, um, like one of those spades and she's just turning some soil and she's like, Hey, Hey, how's the the workshop going or whatever? And I said, cause this is like a anthroposophic, like Waldorf is there and they've got their biodynamic farm. And so I'm walking around on this farm and she's like, have you ever tried this? Like taste this. And, um, I was like, oh, what's that? She's like, well, it's actually a part of that plant over there, but it grew up over here. I think, I think it grew up over here because this soil needed a little bit more phosphorus. Mm. And she's like, now, now, now try a little bit of that. And if you combine this plant with that plant, they're both bitter, but then they come together and they're actually kind of sweet. Mm, She's like, oh, you're, it works with your saliva in this way. And if you just chew it a little bit, it'll actually clean your teeth. And it was like, what? (laughs) And for her, it was just like, it's just, it's just part of being in a garden all this time. And, you know, granted she's in her seventies, but if I had sat down with her and bought her a cup of coffee, my elder Mm. farm lady, what other stories would I have learned? And that's just where it's at. You know, she's not dispensable. Our elders are not dispensable. They're an important part of the fabric of our society. And perhaps that's, that's a part of, of, I don't know, quote, fixing our society is to bring back elderhood um, and to, this whole anti-aging thing, like, forget it. It's a privilege to get older. It's a privilege to die someday. Mm. But we as a society also need to uphold that and embrace that and reflect that to the people that we know have those little nuggets for us. Well said. That was fun. That was fun. Mm. To be Any continued. last comments? <laughs> No, you summed it up beautifully. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. Well, I'll be seeing you soon, Marin. Thanks for, <laughs> for doing this. If you ever need any sage wisdom, I've, I've got the totally. words for you. I will come right to you. Right. I'm away. actually 85. I just use a really, uh, I just use a really good skincare line. So yeah. yeah. Anti-aging to the max. I'm actually 185. Yeah, I'm actually wondering when am I going to die? Because this is getting old. Uh, Always ending with a laugh. Yeah. Well, it was good to see you again. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.